Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We, talk, I don't, we, don't, I, we shouldn't say we're back, but we should just be like, um, hello. Yeah, what's your drink? <laughs> Have you started recording? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just that. <laughs> uh, the amount of spilled drinks. Did I ever tell you, I don't think you were there for some reason when we went to a work party with like a really big advertiser and it was oh. the head PR and I just walked in and just spilled like a... I went like, hey, and went to hug her and just spilled a glass of champagne all over her white dress. Yeah. And it was at the start of the night and she was so angry at me, as you would be. <laughs> so I wasn't horrible. even drunk. I just, I have, my dad says it's dyspraxia and it's, you, you have literally a spatial awareness problem. Yeah, you do. Things look yeah, closer. Do, I do yeah. that because I can't see what other people see. Even just then when you were trying to get these really chic glasses that I bought you for your birthday out of the dishwasher, you were pulling on it and it was hitting the roof of the dishwasher. And was I, was it? Like, <laughs> and I was like, it's literally about to smash as I watch her do this. Ugh. But you managed to succeed and we're now drinking martinis. Hooray. As per, um, yeah, I'm happy that we're back together. Same. I'm happy we're back together, uh, kind of illegally, but that's okay. We're actually, you know, I think we're allowed to see each other because we work together. We work together. Yeah, which is great. Take that, Boris Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Yeah, so we're drinking martinis in your house on a Monday afternoon, which is divine. They think there's a vaccine coming, did you see? I know. They're they're literally about to start... um, giving it out in the UK and they're giving it to old people first, which I'm kind of stoked about. Yeah. We're like road testing yeah. them. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, I know that that's bad to say, but I don't want that vaccine in my body yet. Oh, don't you? I mean, I do, but I want it. I want other people other to go people first. To test it. Yeah. I listened to a podcast with a, um, epidemiologist 
last week and he his prognosis for the future of COVID made me like really depressed because he said that even if you get a vaccine by early next year, which I guess they've if they've fully got it now, great. But if, if they've got one that works by early next year, the time it will take to vaccinate one whole country's population, see how that goes, then have other countries say, okay, your country's good, we're going to do it. Like the time it will take for the global rollout to happen is at least a year. And then if it comes from, depending on where the country it comes from, other countries will or won't adopt it. You know, it's like if it's from England, Russia and China might not use it. They want to use their own. So there'll be some kind of political stuff about it too. Which is annoying because obviously with everyone traveling around, it's just going to keep spreading. Yeah. So it's going to make it like super complicated Mm. for a while. And then by the time the whole world's vaccinated, it could be like 2022 but I, th- I think it's a bit doomsday. I think that podcast was a bit doomsday now that I think about it because people yeah. are saying we should be able to travel by spring. Yeah, I'm remaining hopeful for no reason. I was so hopeful when all this kicked off that I thought I'd go to New Zealand for a month and then come back and everything would be fine. Oh, and nice. now we're back in a full lockdown and it's yeah. what month are we? November. November. I saw an Instagram I posted the other day. I was going back through my own grid, my own feed, which is so embarrassing. And I was like, Trage. I was like three week, three more weeks of isolation vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like March. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yeah. I know. I was talking to my friend on the phone last night cause she was supposed to have a wedding in December um, which they've obviously postponed now, and I was supposed to be going home for it. Mm. Um, and I was saying to her, it was going to be a New Year's Eve wedding in Melbourne, and I was saying to her, are you going to plan it for next New Year's? And she was just like, well, I don't know. Mm. That seems so far away. It's a year and a month away. And she was just like, I, it seems so stupid to start planning for that. But in my brain, I'm like, that's so far. Surely it's gone by then. It has to be. But we just don't know. And yeah. our, so our neighbors upstairs are Australian. They're about to have a baby. Um, and the wife um, had a kind of melt. They're trying to move to Vietnam, basically. I <laughs> don't know why I'm giving you guys all this context. But the wife wanted to go back to Australia to give birth because of how complicated everything is happening in like the UK. And like they're not going to get to Vietnam when they thought they would. So they looked up flights to get from the UK to Australia before Christmas, and it was £10,000 each one way. It's so crazy. That's like 38000 Australian dollars for economy one way from London to Sydney. What? Yeah. That's so wild. Because they're letting yeah. 30 people on per flight. Yeah. Um, how our friend Noel finally got home, and the yeah. whole plane was empty. It's because of Australia. Australia has this, this fucked law. New Zealand doesn't have that. It's... Yeah, they implemented it in Australia. I was such a lucky little duck when I went back in July. Mm. Um, well, I same. Just, I just yeah, we just ducked all these. You ducked them across multiple borders. You got like into America, out of America. Into yeah, UK. <laughs> like all of the hot spots. And I'm like, I'm like spreading COVID around the world. I'm patient zero. Super spreader. Trump. No, yeah, I was on the last Emirates flight out of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then I landed in New Zealand one day before hotel quarantine. So I quarantined mm. at the beach. But at this point, hotel quarantine hadn't started yet. So I thought it sounded lush to be in a hotel for 14 days. It which, really depends. Yeah, which, but yeah it, it depends isn't. on where you are. But I dodged that. And then I got to Dubai and they had just implemented a rule that they wouldn't let anyone from the UK in even for transit. Oh, wow. So 
So I just had to lie about where I came from. I just walked through and just lied and said I didn't come from the UK and they let me in. And then I got back on the plane and got to New Zealand and then just dodged the hotel quarantine and quarantined by the beach for two weeks and then popped into LA. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, So I have a recommendation for everyone this week. Hit me. We aren't doing recommendations so much anymore. It's because I don't do anything. I don't listen to anything. I haven't been listening to any podcasts because we haven't i haven't been traveling anywhere yeah right. and then i haven't been watching any show. i've just been doing nothing i don't yeah. know what's been happening <laughs> so this is um i don't know how i didn't hear about this when it came out because it ticks like seven boxes of my own interest but it's john ronson who did so you've been publicly shamed which was that book about people who get cancelled on twitter Mm. um he's really cool he's like kind of like louis theroux and he also did a podcast series called the butterfly effect about the porn industry which i'm super 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 interested in which is an interest you don't share (laughs) i'm always like we should talk about porn you're like no um so he did this podcast series called the last days of august for audible so it's behind an audible paywall sorry um and it's about a porn star who committed suicide after a twitter mob went after her So she had tweeted about how she didn't want to do scenes with a gay porn star and everyone thought she was being homophobic. So she had this massive pile on cancellation on Twitter and then she committed suicide that afternoon. And he's done this podcast where it's like, was it the Twitter thing or was it all these other things that happened in the porn industry, which people in the industry don't want to talk about because they don't want people to think badly of the industry. And it's, it kind of just paints this really fascinating portrait of what it is actually like to work in porn and how complicated it is. Because I feel like people tend to fall on the side of thinking porn is the most disgusting, awful industry in the world that only exploits women or porn is empowering. Sex work can be empowering because women make lots of money doing it. And it's like the answer is just somewhere in the middle. There's some Mm. women who make a really great living and really enjoy themselves doing porn and make more money than they would doing 95% of jobs and have great experiences and like make really good cash and then stop when they're 35 and have bought themselves a house. And then there's some people that get exploited. So it's, I don't know. It's really yeah. I feel like that's why the sex worker talk is so um, hard. Mm. It's, it's so hard to talk about it because it's just, yes, you can feel empowered and do it if you're lucky enough for it to be a choice Mm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's so many millions of women where it's not a choice and they're not empowered. And then other women are like, we don't even have to feel empowered to go to work. Exactly. Since when did being empowered become a prerequisite for a job because no one would be doing their jobs then. I actually actually listened to an interesting conversation with Gloria Steinem on Jamila Jamil's podcast who really annoys me these days. Which is bad Same, to say. I had to unfollow her. Yeah, no, un- she's like a bit of a mess. Eh? Followed her as well, but I feel bad saying that because it just seems anti-feminist to have a go at Jamila Jamil. But she's just, she just, she's just annoying. <laughs> James Blake's fucking annoying as well. They're like the most <laughs> annoying couple. Agreed. I just can't. I can't stand her. Um, but she has. But she does like great people. Yeah, she's great people on yeah. her podcast. Yeah, she does great work. Yeah, she's she does great work. Her eyeway movement is incredible and she's just yeah she just she's got very like holier than thou lately. yeah yeah it's, mm. it's i don't know what it is about her anyway she had gloria Sanum on her podcast and they would they had a kind of a fight about sex workers which was kind of interesting wow they just both came at it from different angles and i found that 
uh, interesting because it's a really hard topic. Who was to talk on about. which side? I think Gloria was more. So both of them obviously want to decriminalize sex work, but right. Gloria was more um, was less liberal about it than Jamila, essentially. Yeah, I think the the problem everyone has with sex work is trying to come to a conclusion on it. You know, where people are like, wait, is sex work good or bad? I don't know. And it's like both and neither. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like you're never going to pick a... It depends on the specific situation, but yeah, it should be decriminalized. It should be decriminalized because it's like a abor- It's like this is what people seem to just always not understand. When you're for abortion, you're not like, I love abortions. I want everyone to get an abortion. You're like, hopefully no one ever has to get one. And yeah, we have good sucks. sex education and access to contraception and blah, blah, blah. It's not something anyone ever wants to do. Mm. But it's a reality of life that it's going to happen. So we need to make it as healthy and easy as possible to people so they're not dying on weird, dodgy operating theatres yeah. that aren't regulated. It's with sex work. It's like we would all prefer to live in a world where women don't have to give blowjobs for money. But if it's the oldest profession in the world and we know it's going to happen, we'd rather the women that are involved be protected and safe, be safe, be uh, earning money that's regulated, be, you know, it's like, Mm. that's the thinking behind it. So you're never, yeah. Anyway, the porn industry is so fucking fascinating because it's like Hollywood where it attracts like swathes of young girls from all over the country, flood to California and want to work with certain directors and, it's just this strange little ecosystem where there's like massive, massive fame. Some people are so famous and are A-list porn stars and other people aren't. And it's just this ecosystem that's so similar to Hollywood. Mm, I know but nothing about the porn industry. This woman who um, died by suicide, August Ames, had, by the time she died, her videos had been viewed 450 million times. Wow. And she wasn't even a top... 10 person she was like a mid-tier person that's crazy fame Mm. you know what i mean it's like priyanka chopra's movies probably probably been like watched 450 million times you know it's like the same level of fame but because no one wants to talk about the fact that they watch porn (laughs) yeah i feel like such a virgin when it comes to porn because i just have never ever watched it i just don't even know where to start what to do i've just i've never even felt compelled to watch it weirdly uh, i was just as a kid i was so fascinated by it because we had this thing in high school, in primary school which is so weird when i think about it where people would use porn as an insult obviously no one knew what it meant <laughs> so people would be like you're porn <laughs> <laughs> and i remember Let's saying, start doing that and we were young like nine or ten and i remember taking my mum out being like what's porn and she took me out to get an apple muffin at this like cafe and we sat down and she tried to explain it to me she was just so upset that i knew what it was what's um, porn i was like what's your porn? porn yeah people would say like that's so funny um, remember your tess's your... porn this and is then... so bad i just rem- i was trying to think of the the worst insults that we used to do at school we saw your mum is so fat yeah it's yeah so bad yeah. <laughs> so on pc but i would print them out i would literally go home and print out the your mama jokes and be like your mum is so fat that Something about M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> God, kids are so stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why I had like a fascination with porn at an early age because I was so young when I found out what it was and everyone was talking about it. And I was like, oh my God, if I'm just free with my computer, I can look up naked women. This is crazy. Oh, yeah. I had no I idea about any of this. I was very Catholic though. Oh. Remember? 
Your Catholic. teacher's like, if you look up porn, you're going to burn in hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so Catholic. I, didn't, I, didn't, I went to church every Sunday. Mm. And, and this is of my own accord. My parents weren't. <laughs> Your mom's like, please don't. No, my mom was hung over <laughs> having to drive me to church. And she would drive me to church oh. and drop... She'd drop me off and drive home. That's my biggest fear as a parent is having, having a religious child. <laughs> Just a religious child. Yeah. The one thing I couldn't abide by. Well, she sent me to a Catholic school because it was the best school in the yeah city. And so she sent me there and they had to petition to get me in because we weren't a Catholic family <laughs> or some shit. You were just never allowed to do anything. And like then I got into the school and then I became super Catholic and used to pray every single night before I went to bed. Didn't swear. Went to church every Sunday. Went to Bible camp on the um, in the holidays. And I won an award once because I stood up in front of... <laughs> Oh my God. In front of the whole camp and recited every chapter of the New Testament, like every title of the chapter of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do? so crazy. Yeah. I remember I had Sorry, my, I, no porn for me. No porn for <laughs> no you. No porn for me. No my, swearing for me. My high school boyfriend um, went on like a Christian camp with his friend to be nice and he came back and had a three day period where he was fully into it. And I remember being so, I was like hysterical about it. Because he was like, we just can't like, have sex. Touch each other and sex anymore because it's thing. And I was like, what the yeah. fuck is happening? I went to, yeah. I remember going to a camp, I think it was Camp David or something, literally. And and um, there was a girl who was an American girl, American Catholic girl. And I became, I used to be really, 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 I don't know if this is a thing that all little girls are like, but I was so, so obsessed with older girls. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like she was, she was just yeah. heaven. Yeah. She was everything. And she drew all over my Bible. And then I used to just carry that Bible everywhere. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and then I don't even know when I stopped. I think when I turned 13, I was like, um, went to this, I went to a co-ed high school and discovered boys. Mm. And I was like, Stephen, <laughs> fucking hot. <laughs> would, would. <laughs> Would what? break up with Jesus for him. For this. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I and then I never, ever, ever watched porn. Yeah, right. My friend actually sent me when I was in LA, I think we must have gotten drunk and talked about porn. And she sent me a porn hub video to watch. To get you like... To get me into, into it. I wouldn't... Yeah, there's like a lot of good feminist... Send me some links. ...porn sites. Because I think that like the, the problem... It's uh, God. We, uh, did we talk about this in the podcast? It's like so interesting how there's this weird connection between like um, drug addiction and other messed up issues and porn addiction, and how porn addiction is this massive problem that so many people of our generation have, but no one talks about it because we're all in these little like cones of shame where we don't know, want to admit it. Because when you start watching porn quite young, as our generation does, like I think I saw porn for the first time when I was eleven or oh something. Um, you, this hasn't happened to me personally, but I think because that is that content is geared for guys. It feels as a woman going on those kind of traditional porn sites, like red tube and Pornhub and stuff, they're not made for you. Like, you know, straight away you're not, it feels like being in a, a frat house. You're mm-hmm. like, Oh, this isn't designed for me. Um, but I've spoke to guys who have had that experience and they say it's, it's, you just get in these horrible wormholes where you can't get off without watching it. Yeah. You start watching more and more extreme stuff. There's the algorithms like that. The YouTube algorithm that we now complain about that kind of creates white supremacists and like incels um, started on porn. It started with the, that's what the John Ronson butterfly effect podcast is about is how internet porn started. 
And it started because they had these incredible tech geniuses before in the really early days of the internet who figured out that if you gave people very slowly and steadily more extreme content over time, they would stay on your site for longer. And so guys who started watching porn when they were like 12 find themselves at 25 watching stuff that they find awful. Yeah, like rape rape porn. Yeah, or just like coercion porn or just like just weird shit. Even just – it's not that normal to watch gangbangs and – No, I remember when – we both listened to that Fresh Air episode with the author of Boys and Sex. Mm. And I was so shocked that all these 13-year-old boys were saying that they were watching rape porn at age tw- at age 13. Yeah. And I was, like, just- what? I was like, what the fuck is happening? Because she was saying, the author was saying that parents now are worried about their kids watching porn at all. But they just have no idea how much further the industry has gotten from when you were in the 90s and watching it to now. Yeah, they wouldn't even know what to look out for because porn to our parents' generation is like a Playboy yeah. with some smutty yeah. photos in it. You know, they just or, – or people who went and bought video porn in our parents' era were fucking weird. Oh you know? God, yeah, the little um, – in civic video or video yeah, yeah, and there's the, the yeah. bit you go through. So I think parents – our generation has been really unlucky in that we've just been unprotected from the internet in this way. And I think that it surprised me after the Eurydice Dixon case, which was that girl who was um, uh, raped and murdered in Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, The guy who killed her was uh, severely autistic and he was obsessed with internet porn and he went home from killing her and searched on his laptop um, a pornographic video of someone that looked like Eurydice Dixon. And I think that's – is that a similar thing to what happened with um, – fuck, why is her name escaping me? The British girl who got murdered in New Zealand? Oh, Grace. Grace Mullane. Yeah. I feel like something there was there was a similar thing with Grace Mullane. Yeah, he was into really violent. He was yeah, he was into really really violent porn. Porn and, and I, sex stuff. I just yeah. keep get being. I can tell when these cases happen before we even know who did it. <laughs> I'm like, this is a porn thing, where I just the fact of the girl's age, the fact it's a random attack, blah blah blah. I can, mm. I'm just always in the back of my head like this person watches crazy porn and this is why they've done it. And there's never been some massive moral panic. Where everyone's discussing it. And when you look at the, the statistics, a huge proportion of people watch internet porn really regularly. And it's leading people to treat women certain ways yeah. sexually. I Honestly, I am not a scientist. I don't know if this is true. But the kind of epidemic of sexual assault on campus at frat houses, I can almost guarantee is linked to the consumption of internet porn. And it's crazy to me that nobody talks about it. It's like never, ever discussed. Yeah, I agree. And even I remember being, when I was younger, I thought I wanted children. (laughs) (laughs) Disgusting little things. I'm joking. joking. (laughs) Might still have them one day. And then everyone who listens to the podcast will fucking go back. You'll be like Stalin, (laughs) where you'll cut out all of the stuff and be like, I love children. (laughs) Yeah. In case my kids listen to it one day, I'm like, you've just, disgusting you were a mistake um but i remember when i was younger and i would think about my kids playing video games playing violent video games and i was like that's fucked up that you can walk around on grand theft auto and shoot people in the face it's obviously yeah and run over fucking strippers and stuff yeah and yeah yeah, and pay for prostitutes when you're 12 years old i remember doing that when i was like 13 
and yeah. watch porn, but I played Grand Theft Auto and <laughs> fucked prostitutes. <laughs> so which is worse? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're pro the sex industry, so that's better. Yeah. yeah. But um, then <laughs> uh, I was so worried about my kids playing video games and being violent, but then you don't worry about your kids watching fucking crazy porn. And you should or be even, so much more worried about yeah, that. Yeah, even on things like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Depicting, there's just so much rape depicted in TV and culture and everywhere. Exactly. That it's quite stressful but i like i love that um who was it there was an actress i feel like it was kira knightley and she said that she refused to play she's refusing to play i think something period dramas now that's her whole her whole shtick so i'm not sure but one of them being like "I'm, i'm refusing to play this because of all the fucking rape that's depicted yeah i think I, I think the thing as well that's complicated about porn is that like a puritanical approach of saying we should get rid of porn doesn't work either mm-hmm. and I, I disagree with it too i think that like we talked to liz goldwin about this where she said exploring your sexual fantasies in a healthy way with people who are being fairly compensated for their work and who enjoy their work and who are being um screened who are having their health like cared for who are being you know like there's a way for the porn industry to work that is okay, that isn't inherently um, exploitative, I believe. Mm. Because I think that as in the history of humanity, there's always been like a appetite for peep shows or whatever, for sex work. And there are women who are more than happy to do it, who haven't been tricked, who haven't been exploited, who have autonomy and decided that's what they want to do with their careers. But the fact that we're so scared to talk about it as a culture means that we can't have these like healthy conversations about how we do it in an effective way because mm. no one wants to be like okay let's talk about your 12 year old son about like what porn he should and shouldn't watch when he goes on to watch porn no parent is going to want to have that conversation i would want to have that conversation i would you yeah. know people are in denial about the fact that it's happening yeah or how young it's happening you would think to talk to your son about it maybe when they're 13 and they're yeah. watching it from age eight now which is what that she was saying in that boys and six book exactly or you yeah. don't or you, like i've realistic solutions would be like okay we're going to create a porn site or like things like netflix where it's got a kids thing where Mm. you put things on porn sites where it's suitable for younger kids or something where they're not allowed to see violence or coercion or whatever um you can just imagine the moral panic of like christians and stuff being like they're condoning i also think that because we have no conversations about it for example i have no idea of any feminist porn sites or you Mm. we don't have these conversations ever which is so funny because yeah uh as girls we kind of talk about everything Mm -hmm. but i guess that's that thing about female pleasure again being this weird taboo subject which we talked to if you guys haven't listened we talked to liz goldwin about all of this and more but just about how it's like this weird taboo where we talk about everything together we'll talk about sex we'll talk about Mm. i don't know literally anything but it feels like a weird taboo thing and maybe I need to start watching good porn. Yeah. It's a great like way to figure get in out touch what, with your yeah, sexuality. Yeah, like it's you a like really effective don't. way to like do self pleasure and whatever, at which has like proven well mental and physical benefits. Yes. But um yeah, I think it I think it's just complicated because it's like like that there's if you listen to this podcast which is what we've been talking about the last days of August, it's like you see in that a lot of 
fucked up things about the porn industry which give it like a really messed up name as it mm. deserves it's, it, it encourages seedy gross weird men to prey on vulnerable young girls and also it must be uh i don't know if this is like going completely off subject but it must be kind of um insane to have a porn addiction i remember i slept with a guy once and he literally could not come because he was so addicted to porn oh he's like that guy in sex in the city so he couldn't come with a you real girl him? with miranda yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're so addicted to porn, that must happen all the time. That's sad as well. Like, I yeah. think people are like, ugh, men. It's like, no, that's sad. That's really, really sad. I think that's someone... kind of why I like that I haven't gotten into it. Because I because I could just <laughs> one martini down. And we're talking about, <laughs> like, my personal masturbation stories. Because <laughs> I could just literally, like, get off just with my brain. Which right. I like. But then I'm also a very imaginative, dreamy Pisces. Which, so... Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of women like, um, uh, this is what Liz Goldman talked about too, like a lot of women like uh, erotic fiction. Yeah. More so than uh, visual. Actually, yes. Mm. So I never watched porn. This isn't really erotic fiction. It's not, it's no Mills and Boone. But when I was 12, <laughs> I was reading the Dawson's Creek books and there yeah. were so many sex scenes that I remember sitting on like my grandma's like lazy boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know how grandparents always have those fucking weird armchairs? Yeah. I was sitting on her armchair and she was in the kitchen making me food and I was reading Dawson's Creek and I remember the first time I was like, what is happening down here? It's tingling. <laughs> yeah. I remember we had these books in year eight called the Lockie Leonard books, which are like so Western Australian and no one else knows what they are. And a fr- did a friend of mine act in the TV series? I'm pretty sure she did. Um... And everyone had earmarked. It was like 66, 123, and 168 with these horny pages, but they would like yeah. give each other hand jobs and stuff. Mm. And every, like everyone got off to those books. Yeah, Dawson's so Creek funny. was horny, but I feel like I didn't. I feel like I didn't know what to do. I remember the first time we ever masturbated. Really? Yeah. I don't remember. And I was on my stomach, very swan. Um, what is it? Swan Lake? What's the one with Natalie Portman? Oh, she Black like, Swan. Black yeah. Swan. She masturbates <laughs> on her stomach. Oh, because she's like repressed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I just didn't God. know what on I was doing. stomach. Do- I just didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, this feels <laughs> mighty fine. <laughs> I hate Jesus. Actually, one time, one time when I was like 12 and I just figured out how to touch myself, my mom yelled out, are you okay, Natalie? <laughs> Donna, I was like, fuck off, mom. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I must have been being loud. That's so yes. funny. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Izzy masturbating, should we talk about the Harry Styles cover? Oh, my God. Yeah. That was hot. So Harry, actually, can I make another martini? I want another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Izzy masturbating, that was a great segue. Yeah. I realized. I realized. Yes. So Harry Styles, the love of my life, is the first man to ever cover, the first man to ever feature on the cover of US Vogue in the publication's 127 year history. Like to appear solo. Solo. Yeah. And the first to do so wearing a Gucci gown, no less. It came out over the weekend and I read the very horny feature. Such a horny feature. I know. Horny feature. Hamish Bowles who wrote the feature is, um... He's like an old school um, Vogue journalist and he's this like really fabulous camp cravat wearing um, collector of like couture fashion and he does the Met Gala and stuff. So when I saw yeah, him he did the profile, yeah. I was like, this is going to be horny because Harry Styles would just be his 
dream. Yes. And then they talked about how they went to Hampstead Heath, which is this beautiful area. There's a um, really huge park and there's swimming holes and there's a men's and women's swimming hole and a unisex one. And they went to Hampstead Heath and got changed in the bathing room. And he was like, I must say, he looked really good. <laughs> he looked gorgeous. He's like, I wish I packed a moo when I saw how good he looked in his <laughs> shorts. Oh, my God. So cute. Then they went for a little swim. Um, in the men's only area. Yeah. Where you're going to be, like, hanging out now like a predator trying yes. to spot him again. Yeah. Well, he, he lives in Hampstead Heath. Mm. He's always around there. Um, actually, a friend of... Who was it? Someone said exactly where he lives on one night out when we were drunk. And I, like, don't know why I didn't put it on my Google. I don't know why I didn't frantically start on my Google Maps. But we know his, like, exact address where, Mm -hmm. like, because a friend of a friend's was at his house. Um, Anyway, so Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue, wearing a Gucci gown, looking incredibly fabulous. Also found out for the first time about him. Just to recap for anyone who doesn't realize, I had no idea that Harry Styles was a very hot man until... About this time last year, or maybe a little bit, yeah, no, maybe like a, January. We did a podcast called Have You Guys Heard of Harry Styles? <laughs> it was a 2020 revelation for me because I wasn't a One Direction person. Um, we, were, we were a little too old for One Direction. Yeah, um, and uh, then he went solo, whatever. I didn't listen to his first album. Um, then his then for some reason I was sitting at the wing and watched a video of him talking and he's so charming and his British accent and his tattoos and his music's actually really good and his style and is incredible. And he just incredible. started working with Harry Lambert, who's this like really fucking cool stylist. And that was when he started wearing his like pussy bow blouses mm-hmm. and his earring and so yeah. You, you and then he was dating the right time. and he was dating Camille Rowe, who's mm-hmm. this very chic model who's fucking cool. And then I was like, wow, and fell obsessed. But this profile realized he's a pescatarian, mm-hmm. which I am, and loves Pilates, which I do. Mm-hmm. So can't couldn't think of anyone more perfect for me, really. You guys are perfect together. And he he said he spent lockdown watching Clueless. Yeah. Do you like Clueless? <laughs> I love Clueless. <laughs> I love, I'm like, yes. Like, he said he spent lockdown watching Netflix. Do you like Netflix? Yes. Yes. He said um, he was stressed out during the quarantine. Um, Same. He actually also said that he spent it learning. Oh, I think he was learning like Spanish or something and I was learning French, but we can teach each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But yeah, basically, obviously him wearing a dress. I mean, for for style, for Harry Styles fans, it's nothing new because he's wore, he wore a Gucci lilac dress in his music video for falling which coincidentally was my breakup song um and then he wore like a tutu on saturday night live Mm -hmm. but he was like immediately praised by people worldwide for kind of breaking down the barriers of toxic masculinity and gender stereotypes and um which is great but then also a lot of people were kind of like it's kind of annoying that a cis white man is being held up as the kind of face of the gender non-conforming movement when there's so many people who have been doing that before him which is fair but then everyone I think who had a go at no everyone I think who kind of were upset about the celebration of Styles wearing the dress no one was upset with Styles wearing the dress which is great really apart from that weird conservative Christian journalist who had a go saying that we need to bring back manly men and she's like have you seen people in um china and 
outside of America ever wearing dresses and then no, yeah, she, like, was, she yes. was like she was like no and then everyone was like what the fuck are you talking about like, that's literally their traditional garb and has yeah. been for millennia yeah. yeah but most people uh who are in the non-binary um what what is it non-community community, community um and gender non-conforming community it, no one was angry at Harry Styles for doing that really um but people were just angry that everyone's kind of forgotten that um, other people have done it before him. Yeah, or it's like you're annoyed at the reaction to it because he's doing a very palatable... It's a very palatable face of this, yeah, gender nonconformity where it's someone who has the luxury of being so confident in their own masculinity, I guess, Mm. because it's like every single straight woman on planet earth wants to have sex with Harry Styles, like in quotes, but you know what I mean? He's been poured over as a heterosexual sexual icon for so many years that he kind of has the luxury of playing with Fashion. fashion and style and like gender norms in a fun, playful way that to him doesn't really have, it doesn't threaten his safety. It doesn't mm. threaten his ability to be hired for work. It doesn't threaten his money-making ability. It doesn't mean that he's going to risk violence on the street. Whereas if you're someone like a lock whose response you pulled out every single day, you're dealing with like abuse or um, feeling unsafe when you go outside or with people not understanding you or people not wanting to hire you. Yeah. A lock wrote an amazing uh, response on Instagram saying that they've been asked a lot of times about their response to Harry Styles appearing on the cover of Vogue in a dress. Um, And they said, am I happy to see Harry be celebrated for openly flouting gender fashion norms? Yes. Do trans films of color receive praise for doing the same thing every day? No. Do I think this is a sign of progress of society's evolution away from binary gender? Yes. Do I think that white men should be upheld as a face of gender neutral fashion? No. It's a curious thing, this, holding space for joy while also insisting on a more expansive form of freedom. We can both acknowledge this unprecedented moment while also remembering that it could only happen because of the resistance of trans femmes of colour, we who for decades were imprisoned by cross-dressing legislation. Yes, and it's also worth noting that the only other time that Vogue USA has tried to do something that paid homage to non-gender binary Dressing was Juju Hadid and Zayn when they put them on the cover and said, um, what was the cover line? It was like really bad. Yeah, so on tw- in 2018, they put Juju and Zayn on the cover and it was this idea of them shopping each other's wardrobes and they used something about like gender bending wardrobes That's and they right. got lots of backlash. So I think it's context is important because it's not a po- like, it's not like, it's not as if they have a history of kind of getting it. Right. right. And it's almost like the Harry Styles thing would have been genuinely groundbreaking back in 2018 if they did it that way, where people had genuinely never seen it before. Mm. But now it feels a little bit less groundbreaking, even though it's a really beautiful cover. Yeah. And um, another person, Callan Allen, wrote on Twitter, the thing about this Harry Styles debate is black boys dress like this all the time. But when we do, we're seen as emasculating the culture less than and femininity is seen as unattractive that's not a harry problem that's homophobia and a double standard problem and someone else pointed out let me hear one more thing about harry styles wearing a dress without mentioning young thug who pioneered the way for this shit and billy porter wearing dresses they could have mm-hmm. put billy porter on the cover jaden smith yeah. on the cover yeah that's um so, so harry true. styles is just nowhere near the first to do this which is 
But it's great that he is. It's just good to acknowledge everyone who kind of helped him get there. The context. I also like, I really like this fashion critic on Instagram, Jose Criales Enzueta. And he wrote a really cool caption saying something along the same lines as what everyone said, which is love the cover. Fantastic. So good that it happened. Um, but said, I would have liked the cover without the jacket. So Harry's wearing this amazing Gucci dress, which it's worth mentioning the whole, he's wearing only Gucci and Gucci has this big event coming up. So it has kind of spawn con undertones. Um, but he's wearing this amazing Gucci dress, but with a kind of cropped masculine tuxedo jacket. Um, and Jose said, as for the cover, I would have liked it without the jacket. The jacket creates such an obvious and unnecessary tension in the styling. It enforces a binary, soft versus hard, feminine versus masculine. Isn't this exactly the opposite of what the cover is supposed to do to defy the binary, to blur those gender lines that magazines like Vogue have been reinforcing for years? So I guess that is kind of interesting that mm. the cover was trying to make a statement by saying look it's masculine and feminine at the same time we're mixing things up whereas if you just had harry in the dress i feel as if it would have made a different statement and it would have been it would have been a A bigger deal a bigger deal yeah it would have been better there's also been this kind of conversation uh about whether Harry is queer baiting or not, which I don't think he is at all. But then it's so interesting though. Once we started talking, yeah. About this. But then yeah. I was reading this profile, this 2019 profile for the Guardian, um, which popped up a couple of which popped up at the time because that was when Harry Styles refused to label his sexuality, mm-hmm. and he kind of um, responded to the journalist questions by saying, "Why do I need to label it? Why do I need to come out as one thing? Who cares?" Which is fair enough, but also then the journalist said, which I found really interesting, I suppose my only question then is about the stuff that looks like clue dropping. Because if you don't want people to care, why hint? Take the album sleeve for fine line. With its horizontal pink and blue stripes, a splash of magenta, the design seems to gesture at the trans and bisexual pride flags, which is great, unless the person behind it happens to be a straight dude sprinkling LGBTQ crumbs that lead nowhere. Yes, that is amazing. Because I... Would never have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Firstly, but it's so true that Harry Styles is tapping into a cultural trend that it's not very risky for him to tap into. In fact, he's only being rewarded for it. Yeah. So it is worth questioning um, in the same way we question the way anyone like appropriates a culture which they don't necessarily belong to. Um, how genuine it is and how much of it is clever, cynical marketing. Mm. And I think it's difficult because we shouldn't demand that any celebrity has to disclose their sexual orientation. I feel like that's not what we're moving towards. But at the same time, if Harry Styles is someone who in our understanding of him has only ever dated thin, blonde, young models and is yet using... And hopefully Tracy Ellis Ross. And, to, and hopefully Tracy Ellis Ross. But in terms of confirmed people he's yeah. dated, it's Taylor Swift, Kendall Jenner, Camille Rowe. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anyone? No. Um, if that's what your sexual preference actually is and that's who you're actually dating in real life and yet you're kind of using um, LGBTQ plus gay imagery to make yourself seem edgy and modern and cool, it's kind of wrong. Yeah. I know. I don't think Harry Styles is straight. And I think he has said before that he doesn't identify as straight. But then mm-hmm. he's, yeah, that's the thing. He's only ever been spotted with 
beautiful straight models in a cis hetero relationship yes exactly but then it's also this thing where it's like because we have because of the way that tabloid media works you know like how with miley cyrus and stella maxwell they were macking and people were like Miley Cyrus and her gal pal Stella Maxwell, like people, the media is so old school where they can't see a gay relationship if it hit them in the face. Mm. There's probably things where Harry Styles has had male friends that he's really close with that photographers have just never even thought to like photograph together or whatever. Yeah, well, there's there's a huge thing, One Direction rumor thing that him and one of the guys in the band were together. Right. Like, there's this, been this huge fan theory forever. And I understand why he wouldn't want to explicitly talk about it because you think about the the history of rock stars that he's trying to emulate mick jagger david bowie i mean Elton John's slightly different prince they're all sexually ambiguous people who everyone knows behind the scenes were bisexual but who no one ever felt the need to explicitly come out and talk about it and i understand why he wouldn't want to come out and talk about it so it's like yeah and why he feels like he doesn't have to for sure yeah but then yeah it's it i, I just found that when someone said it was queer betting i was like oh, that's, that's obviously not true but then i found that kind of interesting when you think about how yeah. someone else appropriating someone's culture without identifying with it would seem off no a hundred percent and it is true that back in the day when pop stars i mean i think what harry styles is doing is culturally groundbreaking to it to a certain extent i think he's representing this like really refreshing exciting form of masculinity that's very attractive to people in the same way that timothy chalamet is but at the same time it's like it's like pussy baiting like, he mm. knows his audience. Mm. He knows modern, young, woke Instagram girls are going to fucking froth over him in a pussy bow blouse or a Princess Diana jumper. So there's an element of it that's just clever marketing. Yeah. You know? It's very hard to delineate between the two. Because if he wasn't doing this, he wouldn't be culturally relevant. So it's not yeah. just him doing it to die on a sword and be nice. He's no, totally. It I was, works for his I was even saying the other day, I was like, the reason I like... Harry Styles' music, the reason I listened to his whole album mm-hmm. is because of what he wears. Yes. And his charm. Yes. And his public persona. Yes. The way he wears, yeah, treat people with kindness jumpers, the way he comes off as goofy, the way he is really... I think he I think he genuinely is a nice down-to-earth person, mm. and I don't think that's an act, but it's it's all of that with what he wears and, and how he embraces femininity that made me like him and his music in the first place and then made me listen to his album on repeat for basically a whole year exactly it gives new context yeah. to the music because the music is just middle of well, the road yeah. i was saying to music. i was if saying to like, a friend the other day and i was like i was gonna put on harry styles and he was like no i think you need to introduce me way more to him first and then introduce me to the music i was like yes that's very true <laughs> yeah it is because it's the it's, formula to this there's a formula to but the music the music is great once you like him yeah but if he was one of those douchebag indie had a beard and wore a fucking fedora like no one would listen would listen to his yeah. music or he'd have a much smaller audience yeah. because it would be embarrassing yeah but the fact that he's tapped into what this culture is ready for i also thought a really interesting cool critique was of the fact that So Camilla Nickerson, who is a stylist who I really, really, really love, styled this shoot, and she's always been fantastic. But um, someone brought up, which I think is really fair, that Harry Lambert, who is Harry's stylist, is so responsible for the Harry Styles aesthetic that is at the root of that shoot that it kind of feels a little bit off that this kind of openly queer, fantastic 
guy in the fashion industry is not then like getting the credit for this photo shoot, which is entirely rooted in an aesthetic that he's responsible for. Mm, yeah. Even though he didn't personally put the clothes on Harry's body that day, he was at the shoot. He was helping coordinate things. He was helping like pull the look together. And I think it, it, the shoot is so consistent with every other thing you see from Harry Styles in his music videos and in his performances that it's like Harry Lambert's kind of responsible for this cover, even though he's not credited. Mm. Agree. Interesting. 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 Okay, let's talk about Princess Diana. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so last thing to talk about. We've had lots of good segues because we just mentioned Harry Styles wearing a Princess Diana. Yes. Black sheep sweater. And we just watched the first few episodes of The Crown, which cover the early Diana years. God, I have been feel like I've been waiting for this my whole life. Same. When, I, when, I, when it started last night, I was like, oh, like I had like a little <laughs> quiver of joy. I was I like, know. I'm so happy I live in a world where this show exists. Same. <gasps> it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's our crack, that sort of show, especially Princess Diana, who for early listeners of AWD will know I have like a sick obsession with yes. since I was a child. Yeah, yeah. You had like a shrine to her in your room. I thought when I she, was obsessive of her, but you really put me to shame. When she died, yeah, I um mum came into my room and I had cut up all these newspaper clippings and stuff. Cut up yourself. <laughs> I cut up myself. I'd hung myself and used <laughs> love a ghost now. <laughs> she um had hung, um put up all these news I <laughs> I'd put up that is so weird. I know. It was a full <laughs> shrine. And mum was like, um, there's a problem here. And I was crying for, for weeks. I was six. Okay, so she, yeah. you were six. So I was four. Yeah. And we just moved to Australia um, from England. And my mum was like a massive Princess Diana person. And she, I remember we we sat and she would not let us watch anything except the TV for like three whole days. And she just sat and cried and cried and cried in front of the TV. It's one of my earliest memories. I remember it so explicitly. And my grandma, I still don't, this might be a lie that she told us because I still don't really get how this makes sense. My grandma was one of the first people in the UK to find out Princess Diana died because her friend was in Paris, <laughs> was like not even in Paris, but was like intimately involved in like the recovery effort or something like, mm. like something. I'm, I'm lying now. I can tell. So the, so yeah. the editor, my former editor in chief at Marie Claire was in Paris at the time mm. of the car crash. So she That's was, wild. yeah. So she was in Paris, woke up two hours later. Cause it was in the really early hours of the morning that the car crashed yes. in the, um, in the tunnel. And 
woke up to sirens and everything happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. so awful. It really is. And it's just, she's just still the most fascinating figure mm. in like modern history. She's so interesting. It um, feels wild to me that Prince Harry's her child. Same. It's, it's hard to put all these things together because she would only be 57 if she was still alive yeah she was 36 when she died which is so young so young it's um, really but awful yeah so the first few episodes of the crown i'm at the end of episode three where are you at yeah end of episode three i just started episode four and episode three details charles asking diana to marry him um, it shows her eating disorder. It shows her meeting Camilla Parker Bowles. It shows that Charles was still very much in love with Camilla Parker Bowles when he was forced to marry Diana, which is so sad because I'm watching it and I'm pissed off at Charles because Diane, poor little Diana is leaving. She's She lives in this flat in London with her friends and then she comes home one day and she's just like, he asked me to marry him. And she's yeah. so excited and so in love because she, she's known him for years. He used to date her sister weirdly. Yes, and she was literally besotted with him when she got engaged to him she'd known him since she was 12 or 13 yeah. and besotted he was with him. 32 or something so he huh. I, yeah they had a 12 year age gap That's i wild. think maybe 30 yeah but um so she was very 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 naive and he was basically pushed into this this episode three is like really sad to watch from all angles he did not want to marry her and he was pushed into marrying a sensible quiet royally connected kind of dull sweet people's princess and he never loved her and she was just thought she'd won the lottery because the prince suddenly was obsessed with her (laughs) even though he never really kissed her and never showed that much interest in her he just suddenly kind of asked her to marry him and she was so thrilled and then the episode kind of shows her realizing just before the wedding what the actual situation is which is that everyone knows that he doesn't love her except her and everyone knows that he loves Camilla Parker Bowles except her and she's just got to deal with it because she just can't get out of it it's so sad it's so sad um Emma Corrin such an incredible actress oh my god she's phenomenal yeah she as you said to me before we started recording absolutely nails the accent she nails everything about Diana the looks she gives everything you feel like you're what literally watching her it's just phenomenal um and even josh o'connor who oh, plays charles so good the two of them are the best it's like you're in this cast with Gillian anderson olivia coleman tobias menzies helena bottom card like the most famous actors in britain and they're out they outshine everyone mm. they're so good in it she's yeah Emma Corrin. i was about one martini away last night from sending them a group chat text <laughs> to emma and josh to be like you guys we almost had her on the bloody podcast we did nearly have her on the podcast we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get her on now yeah. we're gonna we, try we, we literally didn't respond quick enough to get <laughs> a week later i hate us i hate us so i literally so much. missed the email and they said you need to respond by this date you we can responded. actually go back in time is it still in there was an episode where you said like we literally missed out on blah 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 because we forgot to reply, and I was like, "Oh my god, did we?" Yeah, yeah, that was her. That's, it was about <laughs> um, um, anyway, but she, yeah, they're so fucking good. Um, I, yeah, that's the thing. I flip flop back and forth between being pissed off at Charles for treating her like shit, but then also how crap would it be if you were forced to marry someone you didn't love and you were completely obsessed with the girl you're dating who you're not allowed to marry, which is quite iconic because she was uh, she was too, like, naughty. Camilla Parker Bowles was super naughty and Charles met her when she was... They were both 20, so they're the same age and this is not um, 
rude to anyone, but she's not wasn't considered a great beauty. She was kind of this rough and tumble horse girl who loved to like shoot and smoke and drink whiskey. She's kind of a legend. Yeah, I, I know. I it's, would love her if it wasn't for the Diana angle. Yeah, and I hate we shit. like shouldn't see it as Diana versus Camilla. No, it's like, exactly. It's not Jim versus Ange. Yeah, you can love both. <laughs> and she, um, Charles was like obsessed with her from the day he met her. And then when he tried to marry her, everyone in his family was like, no, she's too much of a crazy thought. Yes. <laughs> I love Camilla. Paraphrasing. And then his family pushed him to go um, overseas because he was only 23 or 24, pushed him to go overseas on kind of a military thing. And he didn't promise her before he left that he'd marry her when he got back. So she, being a badass, was like, okay, fuck you, and then married someone else. And then that just ruined both their lives for so long. Yeah. And um, there's this really sweet scene in The Crown where Olivia Coleman. I've said this before. I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I think Olivia Coleman is a real weak link in The Crown. Yeah, I... Um... She just makes the Queen just look like this kind of doddery idiot. Who, and I get she was middle-aged, but I'm like, I just don't... What's who played her before? What's Claire her name? Foy. Claire Foy was really good. Claire Foy was fantastic. Yeah. Claire Foy played her as this kind of dynamic, interesting, yeah. political, uh, yeah, dynamic her, woman, and a, and a woman who was in love with her husband and who yeah. was upset that he was cheating on her, and yeah. And now Olivia Coleman's like, oh, what, like what's going on? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. No, it's like she's scared to I'm, play the character properly. Because... I miss the first. Well, I mean, she knows the roles, right, Olivia Coleman. That's what I mean. It feels yeah. like she's scared to yeah. play the queen in any way other than just nice and banal mm. because mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but there's this amazing scene in episode three where um, she goes into Charles and she's like, you're fucking marrying her. And he's just crying his eyes out. And it's so sad. And it's actually sorry, fucking cute that even Camilla is still together. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. He married her when they were 60. He finally got to marry her and they're still together. Did he not marry her till they were 60? Yeah. They only got married like 10 years ago. Such a beautiful love story. It's a beautiful love story. We love Camilla and Charles. Can't wait for you to be king and queen. Oh my God. I'm just kidding. Um, But she, she knows she's a smart, she's a smart, like broad, you know, she's an old broad who's been around the bush. She was like, I know everyone likes Diana because she's young and pretty and I just don't care. And I know that everyone hates me because whatever. And she's just chill. She could have taken the name princess of Wales, but she, she told the queen she didn't want to because she didn't want to upset the, English public who love Diana. Yeah, and then there's this whole thing um, about when Charles becomes king, which is so crazy that he's not already in this happened like decades, and decades, <laughs> decades ago. Like when you're watching it, you're like, they're like, you're, like, you're going to be king soon, Charles, and you're like, no, you're fucking not. Yeah, you're not going to be king till <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> like I don't want the queen to die, but that Charles is too old now. Like it's like a, the president of the United States. Why do they have to be like eighty yeah. fucking? nine years old when they come into power yeah just pass it down to harry i know okay. harry's harry's like eighth in line but i want harry and megan harry and megan yeah so there was a rumor that i heard this week that the queen was going to abdicate this year because she's 94 it's like pretty old it is very old um she's probably had enough and that she was going to abdicate to pave the way for charles but because of covid it's like complicated everything I'm going for it doll I'm just checking how much martini you had left because I'm more than you, babe. (laughs) Drinking mine so fast. Um, But yeah, that she was going to abdicate this year and then she hasn't because of COVID. But apparently that's part of the reason they're really angry with Harry and Meghan 
is because they wanted this kind of full family force out. Yay, Charles is king. Woo woo. Because they know that no one is excited about Charles. Mm. So they needed everyone on board. So the fact that Harry and Meghan have left has kind of thrown another spanner in the works. Yeah. And they're obviously pissed at Harry because that yes. whole Remembrance Reef, Sunday Reefgate. thing. Reefgate. They, the royals every single, what is it? Remembrance Day in the Remembrance UK. Remembrance Day. It's, it's just like a day for the war dead. Right. So how we have Anzac Day back home. Yeah. But okay. for every war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember all everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so they had that and the royals always do something. They dress in black. They go and sing and they go to church and stuff. And Harry and Meghan, didn't Harry ask to lay, for them to lay a wreath from here? And they said no. Yes. So he, Harry was like, because we would normally fly over for it, but we can't fly because of COVID. Can I lay a wreath? Keeping in mind that Harry was a army mm. commander. I don't know what the name is. For 10 years. Like he fully served in the armed forces for ages. He was like a career soldier. Um, and he said, since I can't be there in person, can we lay a wreath on my behalf? And they got sent back a terse letter saying, um, only working members of the royal family have that privilege. No. <laughs> so him and Megan went, I feel bad for him, but it is kind of funny because him and Megan went and did this like quite embarrassing photo shoot with a Vogue photographer at a cemetery in LA. And in LA, there are obviously no dead English soldiers. <laughs> they had to do one at the grave of a Canadian soldier, which like... I don't know. It's, it's still so random that they because I've been. LA. You know that cemetery in LA. Like I used yeah, to drive yeah, past it, it, it heaps when I was at UCLA. It's like so, the National LA Cemetery. It's in West Hollywood. It's massive. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. Um, the idea. I of think them, I was supposed to go and watch Harry Potter there. <laughs> but. but the idea of them just going there on a sunny Sunday when no one else in the whole country is being t- with a with a Vogue, Vogue photographer, photographer no less in tow to get photos of them laying a wreath down at some random person's grave I just <laughs> I feel sorry for them but it's just weird I know but I'm like Harry's stuck in a rock and a hard place because he obviously wants to commemorate Remembrance Sunday but the palace must be mad at him to do that yeah to do that that's really petty yeah that's really childish oh dear I want I actually do like Prince Charles I have to say I think he's everyone hates him and he's I, a bit boring. He's, he's just not that exciting. Yeah, but he's just cute. Like he loves, he just loves like Camilla, which is so random. And he is a, he's really into organic farming. I wonder if he cheated on Camilla. No. Well, he's obsessed with her. It's crazy. He like ruined the whole of the monarchy for her. It's so yeah, weird. well, Henry VIII did that for Anne Boleyn. Yeah, but then he then bussed some. He bussed heaps of other people. That's what I'm saying. But Charles didn't. You don't know that. And it's it's so nice that like Diana was literally the most beautiful person to ever live, probably. Yeah, probably definitely. And he was like, "Nah, Camilla." Yeah, I know, my, I know. It's it's very Camilla's cute. my gal. But yeah, uh, <laughs> the only people on planet Earth that are like pro that relationship. You know my theory that the crown is like propaganda to get people psyched for Charles. No, but. It doesn't surprise me that you have that theory. Makes sense, eh? It does. Because it's like sense. no one cared about him now. What you get this hot young like Adam Driver two point who wears Loewe to play him. As Is he m- wearing Loewe? Not in the show, but he's like a Loewe. Oh yeah, yeah, He's so cool, and he's like sexually ambiguous and whatever. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's happening this year when we're getting Charles as king. I'm putting up like the inverted commas <laughs> this year. <laughs> And love all your um, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. theories. I mean, you're pretty spot on. Also, I would like to briefly touch on the fact that um, 
after we talked about The Bachelorette USA. We had a lot of people trying to figure out how to watch it in Australia and New Zealand. We can't help you because we don't know. <laughs> but, but I barely know how to watch it here. Like I just no, tinkered around. Neither. I, 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 got, um, I went to my friend Hannah's and she put it on for me. And we're not allowed to tell you to do illegal things on this podcast, but like figure it out, dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You heard of LimeWire? <laughs> you had a U-Torrent? You had a Proxy Bay? You had a Pirate Bay? Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't find a legal place to watch it. And it's like, legal? <laughs> fucking When's the last time I watched something legally apart from The Crown on Netflix? Apart <laughs> from The Crown season four on Netflix. Premiered today. What the? What are we talking about? Oh yeah, Dale. Dale and Claire. Who left the show? Who fucked the whole Bachelorette up? Um, I don't think they're together. They're so not together. Which they is just so sad for People her. magazine. I was like, um, yeah, I think they're just they're just running. They're carrying on till their contract runs out. But I feel just so sad. Who's for he going to go out with? Let's play this game now. You know how that guy went out with Gigi Hadid. Who's Dale going to go out with? Yeah, Tyler Cameron went out with Gigi Hadid, and this guy called Mike, who was also on The Bachelorette, went out with Demi Lovato. And that guy and, got married to Sarah Highland. Yes. The bartender on The Bachelor got married to Sarah Highland. Dale. He wasn't a contestant. He wasn't a contestant. That's funny. He's still a bartender. He still works on that. Aww. Yeah. Jado. Okay. Who's Dale going to go out with? Could be Kendall Selena Jenner. Gomez. Selena Gomez. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my it's God. It's like someone like that. Selena Gomez. He's going to go out with someone very, very famous. Mm. And he's going to have like 4.6 million followers by the end of next year yeah he's ludicrously good looking but i just feel sorry so sorry for her claire's just a pawn in dale's master plan yeah yeah but she that's that's done i i actually on dumois today which you sent me which i'd already screenshot and sent hannah by the time you sent it to me uh it said that what does it say have an update for you on dale and claire i went to this place in New York and saw Dale with four girls and one guy. I went up to them because I was having a pop-up shop across the street. <laughs> and I told them, hi, sorry to bother you at dinner. I would love if you came to my pop-up. Dale was smashed, but the girls were all very nice. Then when I was going back inside to my table, Dale and one of the girls picked each other on the lips. It was not clear. Tried to get a poke, but my phone went on flash. <laughs> yeah. Dale, yeah. It's not happening, is it? No. Jare Claire. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm on Instagram. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> but yeah, don't you reckon? What? Jare Claire. Like, yeah, Jare like Claire. Jare. I know. She's like the but textbook she's, definition. It's annoying because every fucking bachelorette they get. So they had a Hannah Brown, who's a legend. She had Tyler Cameron as her second guy, who was hottest man on earth and mm. loved her. And instead, she picks this loser who was playing her the guitar at the finale, mm. and he was so foul and needed a girlfriend. You're like, no. You actually need me and you as like a final, like the guests they get on and the final episode instead of the mum and dad. Yeah, just to be like, look, no, no. You'd okay. be better at it than me. I'm like, I'm. Yeah, such they a... should get me on. You'd be like, yeah. pick Dale. I'd be like, Claire. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, he might love you. Look at Dale's face. Okay. Do you think this is gonna work? <laughs> think this is ever gonna work? No. no. Okay. Just forget him. He wants to be famous. String him along for a bit, and then pick like that cute beefhead Jason. 
people like worship the ground you walk on. Still pretty hot. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to date someone way hotter than me. No. That's my worst nightmare. No one does except for men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Claire. And Claire. God bless her. Would you go on The Bachelor? It. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd be The Bachelorette. I would like starve myself for about three months beforehand. But yeah, I'd, I'd go on The Bachelorette. I wouldn't go on The Bachelor because I would go absolutely batshit crazy. I'd be one of the weird ones. I'd be the girl that jumped in the pool. (laughs) Kayla. Um, (laughs) Her name's Kayla. You're the only person in Australia that remembers her name. I know because I was like, that's me. Um, Yeah, if I went on The Bachelor, (laughs) I would go crazy because I'd have all these girls hyping me up for this like disgusting guy. Like when, you know, when The Bachelor starts and everyone's obsessed with The Bachelor because you're watching all these girls hype him up. So we were obsessed with the honey badger. We were like, he's so hot yeah. and he's so cool. And I was he's ready so to down like, to I was ready to like, what's the I was ready to fucking destroy it all. Him. <laughs> destroy it all for the, for the honey badger. DM, DM him Risk it all for the honey badger. Yeah. I know. Foul. Disgusting. Yeah. But and then you the, see him in real life as I did at the Melbourne Cup Bumble Marquee where he had on a, a Cobra and was like hitting on everyone. And I was like, this is the kind of man that I would run for the hills yeah. If you hadn't been on TV. No, but if you just see girls obsessing over... If you see anyone wanting what... If you see anyone yeah. wanting something, you want it more. Yeah. So, me on The Bachelor would be bad news. But, happily go on The Bachelorette. I would be like... if you I wouldn't were... like any of the guys they gave me on The Bachelorette, though. I would, I would have to, like, trick myself into liking one of them. There's yeah. no way I would like any of those men. Yeah. 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 You'd pick Dale, I can tell. Yeah, I'd pick Dale. You pick sure. Dale. I would pick. I'd pick. You know who I would honestly pick. <laughs> you know who I'd honestly pick from the U.S. Bachelorette, that one that wore the scarf, and he had all those velvet slippers and was always drinking martinis, and he had on like a white cashmere scarf when he walked in. No, like, yes, the guy that came in like the Lamborghini or whatever. Not the rich guy. Not that rich, disgusting guy. No. No. Okay. Yeah, he looks I, like I, a James Bond kind of guy. I think we're talking about the yeah. same man. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> yuck. He's like he was foul grace. I would pick like one of those like kind of nerdy guys that I would pick kick the, off early. I no, I would pick the guy who. Sorry to everyone who doesn't give a fuck about this because no one can watch it in any country other than this one. <laughs> like we know you can't watch it anyway, Dale. <laughs> up on instagram you freaks yes. yeah, dale, you moss. dale moss 13 <laughs> i died when you knew that off my heart i know um, i check it heaps i checked it today to see what he was doing i was like if you guys want to be more believable without still being together have some story content lined up like you had months have, to create have this some fake content. fucking yeah. videos if you're going to trader joe's and buying your vegetables no yes. one's believing you when are we gonna stop this episode <laughs> Yeah, let's just stop it now. I feel like we can't use like 80% of the last 20 minutes. <laughs> no, it's fine. They they can switch off. Yeah. Okay, guys. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. We'll see you on Wednesday? On Saturday? Saturday. Do we have an episode on Saturday? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you on Saturday. See you then. Bye. Bye.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.